Hi, 안녕하세요. I'm Erica. Hi, 레이호. I'm Ellen. Welcome to Tubu or Not Tofu. We're psychotherapists who want to open up space to talk about topics in East Asian communities within a Western context. Hey everyone, before we go ahead, just wanted to share a possible spoiler for the movie Encanto and a few trigger warnings for some topics such as post-traumatic stress. For the specific timestamps and other trigger warning topics, please have a look in our show notes for details. Hope you enjoy our episode. Welcome back and welcome to 2022. We want to wish all of our listeners a restful and restorative year ahead. Yeah, welcome to 2022, everyone. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, first of all, we wanted to start this new year with introducing ourselves and why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're therapists, but this isn't therapy, but it's a podcast where we want to open our space to talk about topics in East Asian communities within a Western context. So to kick off, um, our podcast name is Dubu or Not Tofu. So Erica, what is your favorite Dubu dish? (laughs) Great question. So I enjoy something called sundubu, which is a Korean dish, and it's like a spicy stew. Oh. Yeah, with soft tofu, and you can have it a seafood version, a beef Mm. version, or a vegetarian version. Or actually, you can have any kind of version, but it's Mm. mainly just like soft tofu and spicy stew with rice. Oh, it's delicious. It's like a, is it a soupy rice dish? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and then you just oh. drop a raw egg in it and let it cook. <gasps> it, it sounds really hot, <laughs> like really warming. Yeah, it'd be perfect for today's for minus winter. three. Is it minus three today? It's minus oh three my today. goodness! Yeah, oh, wow. so that just sounds like really good comfort food. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll make it for you. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll try. I am I'll trying. I'll make you a mild version. <laughs> you know what? One of my things is to try having a bit more spice this year. Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. Will you be okay? Yes. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm going to experiment a bit. So. I must see what the result. I know. Is. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I won't have to make you a mild version. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, how about you? What is your favorite? Is it Dao Fu. Uh, yeah, yeah, great. No, version. no, that's good. Um, it would be something called Ziu Yim Dao Fu. Oh. And even though I don't like, or I can't actually, more correctly, I can't tolerate spicy food too much. Yeah. Um, it is a spicy dish. So Ziu Yim is like that salt pepper. Oh, yes. And it's got chili in it. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. can actually Ziu Yim anything. You oh, can Ziu Yim pork chop yeah. or prawns or squid. Any of those I like, but actually I just like fried food. That's probably the thing. <laughs> I'll say so, because you quite like the squid version of that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. like Tiwim Dalfu. Yeah. Oh, nice. But that might change as I ex- expand my repertoire. I might like different yeah. tofu. But um, for now, it's Tiwim Dalfu. Maybe you'll mm. want a more spicier version after yeah. this year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So moving on to today. So Ellen, you shared briefly what we're going to share today. Mm. So maybe you can share briefly with our listeners what your job is. Oh, well, <laughs> what is my job? I had to think about this because I actually do a number of different things now. Um, mm. I, I work as a therapist, counsellor, um, but I also um, offer supervision as well mm. to people. Yes. Um, but I also do some speaking, like yeah. workshops, but also do some lecturing as well in counselling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's quite varied. But Yeah, that maybe, is quite varied. Yeah. It's, 
it's, I remember first coming across the term portfolio courier. It's kind of like yes. that, isn't it? Oh yeah. my goodness. <clears throat> and I never thought that I would do something like that because oh. you know, maybe we'll talk about this another time. Yeah. But being an Enneagram six, yeah. you know, having a portfolio career is very uncertain. Yeah. Like you're juggling so many different things and it's quite stressful. You know, I don't yeah. really like um, to do too much admin of different things as well. So it's sure. funny that I'm doing portfolio work. <laughs> um, but it's good that, you know, it's a means to, to being able to do what I like to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it gives me the variety as well. Definitely. Maybe we can do an episode on career choices oh. and moving away from the... What do you call it? Traditional nine to five. <laughs> nine to five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then maybe we can dive into the Enneagram topic. <laughs> oh yes, we can. Yeah. So yeah, Erica, tell us what do you do? For, uh, for yeah. So similarly, I also have a portfolio career, as you know already. Um, so I am also a therapist with my private practice. But I also do some public speaking and I also run another small business that's not therapy related. Um, Mm. But yes, that's my work in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Yes, very busy. (laughs) (laughs) Very, yeah, varied as well. Yeah, Yeah, varied as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Different episodes. Yeah, we could talk about that. Definitely, Definitely. Definitely. But yeah. Having shared our roles briefly, Mm. which we will go into details later in this episode, right? Mm. But for now, let's take it way back and work our way to the present. So maybe we can start with (laughs) cultural background, right? So where were you born, Ellen? Where did you grow Mm. up? How would you describe your cultural identity or how do you identify as? Um, Yeah. Also. Gosh, <laughs> very long I think question. That's gonna be a continued lifelong journey of like, mm. who am I? You know, yeah. I think many of us probably go into counselling because we're asking, who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably why I'm in counselling in the first place because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out who I am. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I was born in the UK. Um, mm. My parents um, got married here, and so um, I was born here. Mm. Um, my dad is from Taiwan, and mm-hmm. so um, I used to be able to speak Taiwan when I was younger. It's a different oh, dialect. Right. Um, so my younger years would be more Taiwan like related for sure like a lot of my memories mm. would have that language not English or Cantonese it's Taishan wow. um, but as I grew up um, English and Cantonese became more dominant and I guess English is my first it's not my first oh do we even call it first language but mm. it is the language that I think and I communicate with at the moment mm. um, but there are some things you know when Taishan comes up it, it does there's definitely something that evokes within me yeah um, familiarity yeah, yeah it's a very young kind of part of my personality right. um, a part of my identity um, and one that I'm as I'm getting older yes. and looking back into my roots and you know I'll talk about this later but one of my kind of areas of interest is intergenerational issues mm. or family history mm-hmm. and so as I'm being able to do that a lot more now um, there's this warmth that comes from mm. thinking about Taishan and Taishan people people and um, my grandparents and the relationship I had with them um, wow. so I am Chinese Taishan Cantonese um, I culture identity um, but also um, I'm very Brit. well I feel like in many ways I'm very British mm-hmm. as well I grew mm-hmm. up here 
um, went to a very um, white uh, school. You know, there wasn't many other ethnic minorities from what I can remember. Um, but yeah, and I also remember just trying to assimilate quite a lot because mm. of the fact that there weren't many other um, ethnic minorities as well. Mm. Um, and to really play down my Chinese side, even though oh, right. obviously I'm Chinese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I also went to, um, so I'm a Christian as well. And so um, that's a big part of my identity as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started counselling, that's a whole other kind of culture or community mm-hmm. that, became open to me Mm. um i guess well we'll move on to this later but it was very different to the communities that my identity would kind of um i don't know how to say this associate with or Mm -hmm. was familiar with Mm. you know in terms of speaking about issues speaking about difficulties that you might experience i found that within maybe chinese or british um, cultures or communities issues weren't really talked about Mm -hmm. so counseling was a community um, that I was able to engage with mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's that's a lot. Yeah. So do you know anyone currently that speaks that specific dialect, which I will not say because I'm a butcher. <laughs> Thai-san. <laughs> yeah, I'm finding out you know, because I'm meeting more people, getting yeah. connected to more people, and the social media is great in many mm. aspects. You know, it's mm. not healthy in some ways, for sure. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yes. it's been um, really helpful to to kind of really embrace that because mm. it's the language itself can the dialect itself. Um, I felt when I was growing up wasn't very um, easy on the ear to hear mm. sometimes. Okay. But I'm really but the but being on social media now and really hearing other people, there's such a warmth to it, and mm. I'm really as I'm doing my own healing of my own personal issues and things, experiences that I've had and trauma issues that mm-hmm. I've had, I've really been able to accept that part of myself for so much more. And wow. so now um, I'm finding that as I'm more open about it, other people are able to say, oh, I'm from Taizan too. My family's wow. from Taizan. And we even try out like phrases that we remember, um, the limited oh, wow. phrases that we have. Um, but there's, there is a warmth. That's the word that I can only yeah. describe, that yes. there is a warmth um in that yeah that's so beautiful yeah Yeah. Yeah. wow thank you for sharing that yeah yeah so what about you (laughs) tell us about yourself erica like big question i know (laughs) this is such a big question as you know know. Uh, but before i share i just want to say i i love this like this Mm. dialogue because Mm. obviously me thinking about the same question i already i'm thinking oh this is what I might say but listening mm. to your answers I'm like oh yeah that's an important part to mm. talk about as well and you hear I mean me hearing you say that that dialect hearing that again brings this warmth mm. makes me tap into my own um, warmth like in terms of language yeah so I'll, I'll share that in, in a few seconds <laughs> but I just want to say I think this is you know, so great having this dialogue um, mm. <clears throat> because you really, uh, it empowers you to think about certain things mm. that maybe you don't think about as much. Um, sure. So, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like how I identi- uh, how I identify culturally has changed since moving to the UK. Mm. So back home, I would uh, I grew up in New York and I would normally identify as an Asian American Christian or a mm. Korean American Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then my story about my Hispanic roots uh, within my family would come up eventually. And it wouldn't wow. take long. Hispanic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that something you want to tell us a bit yeah. more about? So I, basically I was born in Argentina. Okay. And then when I was about two, my family moved to New York. Mm. Um, but according to my mom, my first language was Spanish. Mm. Um, slash Korean um, <clears throat> and yeah I mean we'll talk more about this in language later but um, mm. you know it's known that kids who grew up uh, biculturally or triculturally have a mm. bit of speech confusion yeah. and that was a classic case for mm. me mm. where I didn't speak much and suddenly my mom said like I would say words in Spanish here and there yeah. and suddenly one day I looked up at the sky and told my mom in Korean, look, mommy, there's a plane flying in the sky. Mm. <laughs> and she was so shocked because I hadn't said any like long phrases oh, before wow. that. Um, <clears throat> but you can already see from that young age that mm. confusion of language uh, and like how yeah. my own brain was trying to uh, distinguish how each language works. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> but that's important um, though, because from a young yeah. age you were already wrestling with that. Yeah. Like the yeah. sense of which one do I use? Exactly. Will I be understood? Exactly. And then mm. at a young age we moved to New York mm. and then English also came in. Oh gosh. Right? <laughs> so there's three yeah. languages happening at home. And then... Um, mm. It's funny because back home, I would never really identify as having any, like, uh, Spanish in my identity. Mm. Um, and it usually came down to because I felt like an imposter in the Hispanic community because mm. I definitely did not look like I came yeah. from anywhere other than an Asian country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it often brought up a lot of confusion for people mm. around us. Um so like you know I remember at a very young age my uncle could only speak Spanish Mm. we went to a convenience store and um, he was telling me in Spanish to ask them where the sugar is and then Mm. I come out with English to this guy and we clearly both look Asian and this the look on this guy's face is like yeah. pure confusion and my uncle still talks about it this day like that was so hilarious because okay. you can tell we've totally messed up this guy's mind uh, um yeah, yeah and yeah. it was a you know something that doesn't happen often right yeah yeah um so anyway yeah so i feel like when i moved to the uk it changed to like i'm korean american um to um i am a korean american with hispanic roots mm-hmm. who's um, yeah, and then that would, I don't know, mm. open up a whole nother conversation. But mm-hmm. yeah, I started making sure I, I shared my Spanish roots because I didn't want to get lost. Yeah. Right? It, it was a huge part of my growing up culture. Yeah. Um, and yeah, mm. I, I think there was part of me that was really scared moving here um, mm. that that would be lost basically yeah yeah oh, wow yeah huge thing <laughs> yeah yeah and but... it sounds like your your who has made you who you are so rich yeah you know and yeah. so diverse as well yeah um 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk about it more later. But this mm-hmm. definitely goes into the whole third culture kid. And yeah. Now this, I mean, the whole word imposter syndrome comes up so often mm. now. But growing up, that wasn't really a word that was, you know, yeah. in every conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I think, mm. again, like we'll talk more about this later. But mm. I think that's allowed me to be a bit more gracious when people say things that might be a bit offensive culturally to me but also not wanting to offend others Mm -hmm. so like sometimes I am stuck because I'm like am I using the right vernacular here like am I gonna get in trouble is this like PC like you know if there was a lot of confusion because I'm I've always had to juggle being between three different cultures Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and that's really hard when you've been navigating that since you were really young Mm, mm, like yeah not even pre-verbal but at that you know verbal getting to that verbal stage and while needing to manage that must have been quite a tricky thing it was but I didn't realize to my 20s no exactly the thing is you don't we we won't know because when we were a child we were a child yeah we're just Um, busy growing up aren't we yeah but how that just shapes us yeah growing up and I guess I don't know if this is I guess it's similar I mean Mm -hmm. it's not the same but I actually think yeah in terms of the imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. in terms of how much I feel like I'm British Mm -hmm. but people don't see me as British Right. Whereas for you, it's the same, like, you were Spanish or mm-hmm. are Spanish. That's part of your identity. Mm-hmm. But you felt like an imposter because you didn't belong in that community. Yeah. Um, or you felt like you didn't belong because of your appearance. Yeah. Um, and then not fitting in and that imposter. Yeah. Um, or that felt sense of, yeah, you felt it, definitely. Yeah. I, I think also it was a bit far removed also because mm. <clears throat> in Argentina, they speak a dialect so speaking about dialects they Mm. speak a different dialect of spanish called castellano so it's a little bit different and so even being in within the hispanic community in new york because you know i grew up in a very diverse town and so even there i felt again once removed because Mm. it's like well you know you don't fully speak the same spanish (laughs) and on top of that i don't fully speak fluently at at a young age that is and so you know it's even more division there kind of so yeah wow so there's this constant threads of like not really fitting in wherever you go or not finding yeah yeah and even coming to the uk as well then and yeah you speak english but it's not this it's not the same culture at all exactly and actually speaking about that it's funny because it was in the uk people would ask me are you from south korea or north korea i I was Mm. not used to being asked that question at all because in new york you just everyone's from south korea yes and so i was a bit taken aback when i was asked that Mm. and then i realized i'm being asked this quite often yeah. And so saying, oh, yeah, my family's from South Korea. Yeah. Sorry, did I say South America before? Uh, I think it's South Korea. <laughs> okay, yeah. South Korea. South Korea. And um, and just, like, going back to what you were saying about dialects warming your heart. Mm-hmm. So my family comes from um, Busan in South mm-hmm. Korea. And me too, I can totally relate mm-hmm. to your feelings of when you when I hear that dialect, mm-hmm. it's so warming to my soul. Yeah. It feels like home. I don't know if that's what you yeah, feel, but it feels yeah. like home to me. But that is your like your most earliest memories, like mm-hmm. your embodied memories are yeah. from that place. And so no wonder 
like there's that warmth there mm-hmm, that you can't mm-hmm. probably express in words mm-hmm. or in English even. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, wow. I feel like we can keep going. I know, but that's so much a part of who you are. Yeah. 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 And yeah. yeah. It's been an interesting journey. I know, I know. <laughs> but so wow. having shared, you know, our cult, uh, cultural backgrounds um, and our work, mm. I think it would be helpful to share some personal stories about our mental health. And um, I mean, did you, so uh, again, I'll just say all the questions that you can like, <laughs> try to remember them. But, um, yeah. you know, did you experience any mental health issues personally? Um, and how did your community respond to that personal struggle? I mean, did you feel safe enough or comfortable enough to share with that community? I'll keep it at that for yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it's so important. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to include this question was because within our communities that we're involved in, um, we recognise that, like, mental health in general mm. is not really discussed, let alone, like the family the issues that might have are perpetuating the mental health issues yeah as well and so it would be important for us to be able to talk about it to open up that space to acknowledge that yeah we have had our own and will and you know in our lifetime have some mental health struggles um because of our backgrounds as well yeah um and so you know we wanted to share and so for me um yeah you know due to I guess if I think back now, like some really traumatic things that have happened in the last 10 years, you know, I I would say, you know, I was never diagnosed with it, but I definitely went through a period of post-traumatic stress mm. um, and it was definitely trauma-related things that happened, um, which there was no way of understanding, no amount of knowledge or rational, you know, or bypassing of it would make the symptoms go away because the body keeps the score of mm-hmm, it and mm-hmm. your mind might try and shut it out or rationale might try and or cognition tries to shut it out but your body tells you you know yeah. from the sleeplessness or the sweating yeah. or the constant state of alert which you know like for many of us maybe covid you might relate to the anxiety mm-hmm. the underlying anxiety that we probably all have to varying degrees about the fear um maybe it's different now because things have moved on but there's this hypervigilance um but definitely for me you know I went through a very specific period of post-traumatic stress and um it was out of this world you know in terms of and that not in a positive way Mm. you know when I say out of this world Mm. because it was didn't make any sense um but what I see now is that it was me you know my body just shutting down saying this is too much you know you shouldn't be able to tolerate this because Mm -hmm. this isn't it doesn't make any sense at all and so it was the body's way of really protecting and saying this is not okay Um, and there's some really serious stuff that you need to address Mm -hmm. you know that bypassing or escaping or avoiding or pretending doesn't make it go away mm-hmm. um so you know and also within that time trying to make sense of it I mean thankfully thankfully I was a therapist at the time and so I was able to get the support get supervision get my own personal therapy um I took significant time of work mm-hmm. to process my issues and also I wasn't like I spoke to my doctor I was like, I'd never taken medication before mm-hmm. but I was open to anything because I was like 
I need help, you know, yeah. I haven't got a clue what's wrong with me. Yeah, and But yeah. I, when I say I was open, it took some time there because I was already in kind of like a traumatised state. But, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't really sure. But And the own taboo issues within the, the Christian, but also the Chinese community and even British community about taking medication. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I was like... I'm not functioning properly, so you know yeah. I will take medication if 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 it's necessary, and so for a period of time, just you know, just six months, I took some medication just to kickstart alongside therapy, mm-hmm. which is probably you know it's a really helpful combination actually, mm-hmm. um, for me personally. You yeah. Know, it, yeah, it's not everyone's route, and you've mm-hmm. got to really process that for yourself. Um, so you know, it was a horrendous time. And actually, sadly, you know, which is why I probably got into therapy in the first place, um, it was really difficult for me to be able to share openly with people um, mm. because of the responses. You mm. know, it was literally just get over it. You mm. know, it's essentially your it's your weakness. You can't cope. Wow. Um, and the Christian community would just pray it away, mm. or it would be you don't have enough faith in God. Mm. Um, so it wasn't met with any compassion, but I, I, I also now with compassion see, or maybe it's because within those communities they've never really they're like um, they've never really talked about difficulties, mm-hmm. you know, emotional difficulties or mental health, um, and so they wouldn't even know where to start, and so even though the intention wasn't to dismiss, um, it did leave hurt there, obviously in terms of being in a church or being within different communities and not being able to get any kind of compassion or support for those issues especially when you know I've been supported um was a real lonely place to be in for sure but that's why I'm thankful I had the counseling community um I knew enough and I had advocated enough that you know even though it didn't feel like that at the time um in, in desperation it was like I know that therapy is going mm-hmm. to help me mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be a long process it's not going to be a quick fix no matter what media or you know doctor take a pill you, a pill's not going to take away trauma mm-hmm. you know you've got to work through and process what's happened to you mm-hmm. it's not what's wrong with you as Gabor Mate says it's what happened to you mm-hmm. so a lot of therapy is really slowing it down in a compassionate way not re-traumatizing not re-traumatizing re-triggering but actually opening our space to say what happened to you mm-hmm. you know what was the impact um of what, of what <coughs> you're left with yes with it and and to, to really process and let that go and get healing from it as well um so i i've personally found the communities i was involved in um just yeah not very um just not very comfortable not very open to Mm. uh, difficult mental health is just on one end of the spectrum difficulties full stop is not talked about there's a blank face Mm. um you could be talking to a brick wall um or it's very quickly brushed aside Mm -hmm. and you just need to do better learn more do better stop being weak Mm. and but thankfully I knew that that wasn't the way for me to be able to get through this um yeah so so yeah that's my personal story of of struggling with mental health wow thank you for sharing that that's a lot and yeah yeah I, I mean I remember 
you know, kind of, you know, being there in that season when you're going through it and mm. it was a really tough time. Mm. And for me personally, I was very inspired that mm. you kept pursuing, yeah. you know, that uh, safe space for yourself and mm. that self-care. Yeah. And to basically um, walk walk the long, you know, like don't just you know, you really pursued counseling, you pursued all the professional help that you can yeah. get and all the resources and you were really brave. Mm. Um and yeah, very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And yeah. I guess just to add to it that, you know, it wasn't that I didn't get any help and it wasn't that when I say community that's a whole that's that's a whole package but actually there were individuals that were supportive along the way mm-hmm. and it's about finding people you trust and that can walk alongside you and people Absolutely. who aren't just going to dismiss you mm-hmm. they don't need to know what you're going through but at least they're just saying I'm here and I'm walking yeah. alongside and you were one of those people so you know mm-hmm. yeah so it's really important to if you're all going through yeah Aww. if you're going where's through. a tissue box <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you know I'm not like yeah I'm just really touched and just Mm. thinking of just if you are going through those issues Mm. not everyone is going to have I guess the compassion for themselves actually to Mm. you know if if you find that people can't be compassionate to you Mm. it's not about you it's Mm. about maybe within themselves that they haven't yet known that they can be compassionate towards themselves when they go through such difficulties Um, but if you are able to find people or or have people in your life that you can share with who mm. um, can walk with you, then that that is such a big difference. Mm. And it's it's debilitating for your friends and family to watch you through that. But it's, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's the one time where you can't fix it. Mm-mm. You can't, and we're in such a fix-it culture. And mm. for me, the Chinese and British communities are so much about fixing it or plastering over it. But you can't, like, you can't, you have to just walk through it with your people, yeah. um, with your yeah. loved one. And it's a long process, but, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that would be my encouragement, yeah. even though that's probably a bit of the end. But, yeah. yeah, so it's not tears of sadness, it's just this real appreciation mm. and but the necessity of it, yeah. Yeah, thank you for being so mm. open about it and so honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's definitely not easy, and no, yeah, no. I'm sure even people who are listening in will find it really comforting to hear that it yeah. doesn't have to be a quick fix, yeah. that it can be a long process, and it can yeah. be okay. Yeah, and it's hard to hear that, you know, I know a lot of people, when you probably seek out therapy, it's probably when you're at your lowest point or most desperate point, and the last thing you want to hear is, mm. it's going to take time, mm. you know, there's no quick fix, and, and that's a really desperate part of you that really wants help, but if if you're able to, you know, if, yeah, the compassion, that's why compassion for yourself or even being able to have that compassion for someone else just mm. to, to ground you and yeah. to take you through that season and to being so kind and compassionate to yourself because you're already going through such a hard time. Mm. Um, and that takes, it does take some time. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure not just for me, but you've, I'm sure you've modeled to all your friends and family, mm. you know, that there is this alternative way and mm. probably 
you know, you've probably helped more people than you know <laughs> by, by choosing those well, things that you, you know at that point it was really just about me trying mm-hmm. to save myself yeah. yeah and but also being authentic to myself yeah. you know I believed in counseling I believed yeah. that it works yes. and so you know um and it wasn't a forced thing but yes. I, I kind of knew and I knew enough to know that I have to just go through the process and it will be dark mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. um yeah. Um, yeah but it's worth it and so that's the hope I can that I try and bring I guess mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. my work that I do I know I know how hard it can be mm-hmm. but to have someone with you in yeah. that process um is is such a gift yeah um, to model that but also to internalize that for yourself too mm. you know? yeah yeah, and, you know, I think I, I just want to, on behalf of the communities, some of the communities you mentioned, I think I, I just want to apologize that, you know, mm. you've received that kind of response of, yeah. you know, just fix it or do better, be better, you know, or yeah. just pray it away and mm. um, not really having, you know, more from that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I feel like... <laughs> I can't speak for Jesus, but <laughs> like Jesus' heart would be breaking too. Yeah, um, for sure, yeah. you know, and yeah, thank you for that acknowledgement as well yeah. that, you know, and that it was hard, you know, mm. and I know, you know, I know that wasn't the intention mm. and at all from these communities and they were doing the best that they could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but also on the other hand, knowing that, you know, because of our own brokenness or mm-hmm. our own trauma mm. that we've gone through or historical issues or survival issues this is why intergenerational trauma and issues is so important for me in trying to understand why why are our communities like this you know maybe they've also been conditioned to not face these things mm. or it's too hard it could be life and death mm. if you showed how you felt it would cost you your life literally Mm. and so it's safer to just not say anything Mm. but then when that's decontextualized into generate from generation to generation it just becomes this emotional numbing Mm -hmm. or just emotional illiteracy Mm. Um, and then you're so disconnected from yourself um, and disconnected from one another as Mm. well because there's no there is no connection in terms of depth yeah um so uh, yeah thank you for the apology um Mm. yeah and also yeah i'm I'm also having compassion for those communities too Mm. whilst also acknowledging um how difficult it was at the time as well yes yeah i think that this is all Mm. you know a reflection of you know one part there's that broken reflection Mm. of like you know things are broken and mm. you know in the beginning god said this is good this is good this is good and mm. yet here we are trying to you know in our human ways trying to make things good again mm. but really we can't uh, right without jesus and um, i think maybe this is a reflection of that of how our different cultures have attempted to do this yeah um and but sometimes it causes even more brokenness yeah um, yeah yeah have you seen encanto yes Oh, no spoilers! Ah, <laughs> such a beautiful I've seen film. It. Yes, it's a it's a great film, <laughs> and it touches right on this. You know, yeah. I would want to say, you know, what are the Brunos in your life who, mm. that that we don't talk about? Mm. Um, but also, what pain has been carried that's just been transmitted mm. from one generation to the next? Mm. That the the real healing thing 
is yeah, I'm not spoiled. Well, I am. I think you of. should you just stop. Yeah, <laughs> but so such a beautiful representation yeah. when we are able to have a, a loving and honest mm. um, talk about the things that we're hurting from, yes. and then we can heal together. Yes. And I believe that that would be what is on Jesus's heart too. Yeah. And I'm just gonna put a marker here for a possible spoiler at 35. Yes. Sure, sure, you know, not a massive spoiler. Not a massive spoiler, but, yeah. Big enough to... to some people find, you, you know, something so spoiler, so just to cover everyone, sure. you know. Um, but, um, but, yes, it's a beautiful yeah. movie, yeah, definitely. So, it takes a community to heal the brokenness. Yeah, definitely, you know? and, definitely. And it's about, yeah, being able to talk about those issues, not pretending that they didn't exist, yeah. but hearing the pain, hearing the trauma, yeah. and then we can move on and restore, you know, rebuild from that brokenness. Yeah, um, definitely. Which I believe is on God's heart too. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I, You know, God is relational and so being made in his image i totally believe we yeah. are meant to be relational and be in community and not yeah. walk by ourselves especially yeah. when we're holding this pain yeah well yes we've spent a bit of time on me so i'm mm. wondering for you you know what about mm. your own personal stories of, of mental health Thanks for joining us today. Just as a reminder, today's episode is the first part of a two-part episode. We hope you enjoyed hearing a bit more about Ellen's mental health journey. Join us next week to hear me share about my own personal mental health journey and what both Ellen and I would love our community to know. Join us here next time. Just as a disclaimer, all the information shared here today should not be a replacement for therapy. If anything you heard today got you thinking about wanting to learn more, please feel free to message us or find a mental health professional near you. For listeners in the UK, you can find links to directories on where you can search for a therapist in our show notes. Join us next time. Thanks for joining us on Dubu or Not Tofu. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to you joining us for future episodes. Subscribe to our podcast to keep up to date of when new episodes come out. Follow us on Instagram at Dubu or Not Tofu in between episodes.